what does your wife like most about you? <laughs> well, Bill, you ready? Yep. Time out. Tyler, who are we taking a timeout with today? Bill Pollock, ladies and gentlemen, CEO and president of Optimation Technology. And uh, Bill, glad to have you on our show. First questions first. Uh, so I saw that you've been in business since 1985. Do you remember what won Best Picture back in 1985, Bill? Of course. <laughs> back in 1985, I, I, I was doing sales calls. What a great company Optimation Technology was. And then somebody would ask the question, how many people work there? And I would say, well, right now it's just me. And then they'd say, it's nice to meet you. And then I was outside the door. That, that, that's, that's how it was in 85. That's amazing. That's amazing. And obviously, we followed you from 1985. And some businesses are always opening up their doors one day, but are closed the next. We we couldn't help but notice. Obviously, you made uh, the list for great uh, top places to work here in Rochester. What do you attribute to your success? And how did you make that lit list, um, even in 2021? Because that's a long history. Long history. Well, that's the first time we actually allowed the people who do the list to intrude into our space. See, the way, the way they do that list is they, they ask permission to send a survey to your employees and then employees answer questions. Um, and, and I think 72% of our employees answered and they said nice things about each other because they like working together. And so the, really the top workplace is really just a matter of do people like going to work? Maybe they like the people they work with. And so um, if you hire the right people, then they'll be happy. We, we have this philosophy at Optimation and we say we hire people for what they know and then we fire them for who they are. So if you, <laughs> oh, that's if good. you weed out the bad eggs, then the rest of the people have a good time and, um, and, and, and we end up on lists like that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we wanted to obviously take a take a, a, a little brief chat with you, maybe some water cooler talk, if you will, because we want to understand you as a person first. I think that's really important when we identify okay. leaders. Um, one of the questions, obviously, you're a marathon runner. I think you could run circles around uh, uh, Tyler and myself, but around Tyler, but not around you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Bill. I don't know. I, I'm not what I once was. That's for sure. That's for sure. This pandemic has certainly wreaked its havoc on my waistline. That's I will leave it at that. But uh, if you had to listen to one song on repeat during one of those marathons, what song are you picking? So my song, I mean, and I thought about this a little bit one time, um, it would be Amazing Grace. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a song that's been sung a lot of times at very meaningful parts of my life. And probably, probably during a marathon, you need a lot of grace because sometime around Heartbreak Hill, <laughs> you're feeling like you're going to die. So hey, that's a good song for a funeral. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So how many marathons have you completed now? I don't, I think it's 15. I've done maybe, maybe one or two more. I've done Boston eight times and then miscellaneous other ones in, in the fall, typically. Nice. Bill, I, I've noticed that but you I traveled, traveled quite that? a bit. I've noticed that you traveled quite a bit. Have you ever ran a marathon overseas? I have not. I suggested once to my wife, because I have some friends that live in Beirut. Um, that, that I run the Beirut Marathon because they were telling me, Bill, nobody's ever been killed by a bombing in the Beirut Marathon. And I didn't convince her. 
You might run a little faster if you're fear for your life, right? <laughs> but, so, so I haven't run any ones overseas. I sort of stay close to home and pick, pick fun, friendly home, home venues. Yeah. That's awesome. But mostly That's I didn't awesome. start. I mean, I ran a couple of marathons when I was a little kid. I didn't start marathoning until I was 65. So um, I don't have, you know, it's what you can squeeze. Just, just picked it up as a, on a whim. At yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. I, I right. used to think, man, I should have done that when I was younger. And then I figured out age doesn't really have much to do with it. It's just do it. Yeah. So, so, I mean, staying in that same vein, obviously we hear uh, I'm this old, I'm exile old, I, I'm a retirement age. What What do you think attributes uh, to your longevity as, as a leader? And how do you still relate to the younger younger workforce of today? Love the younger workforce. Um, I mean, what I do at work, obviously, is my hobby. Because people retire, and then what do they do? They take up a hobby. And if you're going to retire, you better find a hobby that's more fun than, than what you're doing. I mean, I love to run, but you can run like one, two, couple hours a day. Love to garden. You can garden for a couple hours a day. I love to, you know, there's a lot of things, but none of them are as much fun as what we do at work. And, and it's, it's a lot to do with the younger people. Um, we hire, we hire young engineers right out of school and then you get to mentor them and grow them up. And then we have an apprenticeship program. Apprenticeship program is, um, is, is, you know, you get to select young men and women who are just, and they can be all, you know, all the way up to age 30 or whatever, but, but the point is they're looking for a new start and a new career. Maybe they got a degree in college in history or psychology. And all of a sudden their, their, you know, their job options are only so good. And they say, wow, you know, I can make a lot more money as an electrician. Then we can take them in. It's a state certified program. And after four years of, 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 of apprenticeship, they end up being an electrician. And, 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 you know, there's no new tuition because we pick up the tuition and the books, everything that needs to go. So, but it's fun to watch, you know, somebody who used to make French fries yeah. learn how to weld. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's, so that's a, it's a fabulous hobby. And, and they are young people most of the time starting off. And, um, and so I, I enjoy it a lot. And yeah, I mean, maybe they consider me an old fuddy duddy, but um, I ignore that. <laughs> Um, one, one question, obviously with, from starting in 1985 that Tyler and I were dying to ask you. And it's one of our top questions was really, really understanding you've worked on so many cool projects. Right. What was, if you had to pick just one, what was the coolest project that you got to optimize and digitally transform, um, there at Optimation? There's, you're right. There are lots of them. I can think of two. So we'll give you two instead of one. Um, that are just happened recently. So one of them was the Olympics were supposed to be in Japan last summer. I think they're going to be there this summer. And, and, and the theme of the Olympics was sustainability. So they decided that they should have a jet flyover where the jets are flying on farm waste. So we got the contract to build this distillation system with a bunch of vessels and distills and everything to convert farm waste into jet fuel. Holy cow. And it, and, it, and, it, and it was successful. Now, they won't do the flyover until this summer, but the point is, that's sort of cool. Um, another sort one that's of underway. cool. I would say that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool, Bill. So, yeah. so another one that's underway right now is it's in partnership with GE and there's some government funding. But you know how there's big windmills that go around. And, of course, the higher the windmill, the more efficiency and, and the more energy you get out of it. So they're always trying to make them taller. So 
we're working on and we'll be building these in, in Rochester prototype this summer, a 3D printer, the world's largest 3D printer that will print 20 tons of concrete an hour and print a 65 foot tall tower that the rest of the metal tower will go on the top of. So these windmills end up being way up there. And instead of using forms or whatever, this 3D gigantic printer just prints along. And three days later, you have, and the challenge there is if, 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 if the concrete is too thin, it'll slump and, you, and, and when you go to the print the next row, it'll buzz up, right? If it's too thick, it'll solidify in the pipe um, if you have a little slowdown. So it, there's a lot of technology that goes into this. Plus, just think of the structure that has to hold this printer up to get to the top. So that's another cool one. Um, but there's tons. There's tons. Uh, it sounds got a call. A call yesterday from a French company that builds um, mission protection system for ships, scrubbers to, to take the crap out of it before it goes off in the air. And they have a ship coming into Newark Harbor um, and it's failed and they can't do anything remotely to fix it. So I ask, could we get an engineer on this ship before it sails for Port Suez and, um, and fix their system? So, you know, if people Google you from all over the world. Holy cow. They, just because like you did on the Internet, they find the cool projects and they say, <laughs> these yeah, people online do, investigators today. Here's another cool project. Right. But yeah, oh, yeah. We, we noticed that you travel quite a bit in your lifetime. And uh, my I question have. to you is, what's your favorite place you've ever been? And most importantly, yeah. what's your favorite food you've ever had? Well, you see, okay, favorite food, favorite place. So, so, so from your stuff, I, you, you saw I'm born in Sudan. Yes, we did. So my first 20 well, you years. You love made in the USA. So I, I had yes, to ask yes. you about that too. You well, weren't see, even there's the a US. balance. There's a balance. Yes, I, 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 I do have a good USA Toehold too, because I, I, I'm, I'm the son of the American Revolution. Two of my great 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 grandfathers fought under Washington. Holy! Um, so that was before I became a child of Africa. Um, so I got a, a little piece of two, and then not related to those directly, but I have a Korean daughter and a Greek daughter and a Brazilian son-in-law. So I'm a little bit eclectic. Um, so, so all those pieces go. But so the favorite place to go, I think, you know, I, I spent a lot of years in boarding school and um, probably the Egyptian, you know, the, the Valley of the Kings and the pyramids and all those pieces, they inspired me when I was a youngster. So that's probably, probably my favorite place. Well, I got, a, I got a one question for you too, before you get into your favorite food. We're talking food. about engineering here. You're talking about some of these fun projects. Uh, are, are we convinced that aliens helped uh, create those pyramids or how the heck did they put those together in your opinion? I That's gotta... a good question. They were very good mathematicians and engineers. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot I of No, but I can tell you that, that, that the level of the level of precision is, is almost unbelievable. So maybe it was aliens. <laughs> they haven't, they haven't heard proven that theory yet. <laughs> It is. All right. Now back to Tyler's question. What's your food. favorite food? Food. My favorite food is rice. And you say, why would your favorite food be rice? But um, I grew up on a very limited diet in the middle of sub-Sahara. Um, and so you, you develop what you do. But I, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan, but I, I, it, that's, I, I predominantly eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. And meat is more of a garnish than it is a main course. So anything, we have a big garden. Love to grow fresh stuff and um, and eat it. 
That's incredible. It's coming up right now to see that. That's the keys to success. <laughs> That's how we get to get to where Bill is today. Yes. One of the things too that you had mentioned earlier is that uh, the importance of that internship program, and it was something obviously we we, we had dug up in in our research, and, and it seems like you had kicked that off in 2018. There seemingly seems to be a gap right now with with skills and trade and and all these other areas. Your, your dreams are up, uh, coming true here. Tyler. So what um what do you think the keys to success are though to get the younger workforce kind of seeing what other opportunities are out there? See, Okay. Well, I mean, but there's two sides. There's the engineering side, which is, you know, they got to start a certain side to get into the STEM classes. And even on the trade side where we have electricians, pipefitters, welders, sheet metal workers, those people, they need to have some level of math and interest. Um, and, and as you said, the dip came. Um, why did why do kids mostly choose the profession? And a lot of times it's because they have a role model. You know, your uncle or your dad or your somebody neighbor down the street was an electrician. You sort of thought that was cool and you become one. Um, And getting people into the trades, see, there was a dip. Kodak discontinued their apprenticeship program in the 90s sometime. And a lot of people did. They thought, hey, we won't need all those people. And then we were sort of ahead of the curve when we started our apprenticeship. But but now, I mean, there's doesn't matter if you're looking at Albany or Washington or whatever. There's a ton of money to to train apprentices. So workforce development is, is big, big, big. And I, and I was recently president of the Rochester Technology Manufacturing Association. And we have an apprenticeship there. I don't know, they have 30 or 40 apprentices. So a lot of that is government, you know, scholarship programs to get the kids in. So then the, so those people go to high schools one after the other, and they talk to the junior high kids, but again, you have to have role models like, a couple of years ago, we hired a young lady to become, right off the French fry line, right, to become a welder. Now she can go into the schools in the city and all around and say, hey, you know, young ladies, you could become a welder. Um, so now they have somebody to look up to. In fact, we got a second young lady welder who, who was inspired by the you. So really what you have to do is to show them that it could happen and get them excited about it at a young age. And that's that's one of the things that, you know, we're, we're passionate about an optimization, but there's a lot of other people besides me, you know, in, in high government places. And, and mostly they're good at putting money at it, but not so good at reaching into, but you need to get downtown Rochester into the school yeah. stuff so that there's motivation. Otherwise yeah. you end up with kids with no skills and no jobs. And that's yeah. pretty hurtful. Bill, you mentioned uh, the word role model uh, growing up. Who was your role model? My role model, well, I don't know if I had role models, but I, but, I, but I had people who I, I think Albert Schweitzer was somebody I looked up to because he did three careers at once. He was a doctor and a philosopher and a missionary, and he used to sleep three hours a night so he could have enough seven or eight hours each day to do the other things. That's, oh, that's, that's easy. Some. That sounds easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your time management skills must be off the charts. Gosh. So be like that. I never figured out how to get to three hours a day, though. Bummer, huh? What was your biggest mentor when you were starting? Like, what was your inspiration when you started Optimation to begin Optimation, with? Optimation, I was working at Kodak when it was Kodak. Yeah. 5,000 people, and, and it was this big machine, and you were this tiny little cog. I mean, they paid me well and treated me well and promoted me well, but I, it was very stressful. So the motivation to start the business was I just didn't want to work for the, the man. Yeah, for that, because, I mean, the edicts come 
and you just you're like in lockstep this little boing boing. So I I just went home one day and I said to my wife, you know what? I'm gonna quit. And <laughs> How did <laughs> she say that? How was her reaction? <laughs> awesome. You got to write married the right woman. She said, "You're the one who has to go to work, do whatever you want." <laughs> she paid a price. She paid a price, but. We're still together here now, 51 years later. So 51 years later. Congratulations. That is thank awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Hopefully my wife earmuffs to my wife if she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible, Bill. That's 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 really special. One of the things that uh, I just wanted to pick on with what you said is because I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in the in the corporate structures and and they really struggle to find their way and their place within the organization. Did that feed into how you lead over at your organization today? And, and that same. Absolutely. Mindset? Absolutely. So, and, and there was a little stint when I was starting off too after Kodak, where I taught in the SUNY system. And, and so I, so I'm, I worked for the mega, mega Kodak. Right. And then I worked for the state. Yep. <laughs> you learn, you learn a whole lot about what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I started Optimation, I made some certain rules. First rule I was, I'm not going to read any books on how to run a business or, or business management. And, and I'm just going to do whatever I want. There, there's some downfalls about that, but that's how I did it. And <laughs> Learn as you go. <laughs> and then, uh, then I decided, you know, we're not going to have any starting time. We're not going to have any stopping time. We're not, we're not going to have as, we have as absolutely few meetings as possible. It should be fun coming to work and people should just get their work done and make the clients happy and, and, and work around their lives. And then out of that, you know, as we're starting off, we figured out what we really need is to have a gym so people can work out when they're at work together. And then, then we started hiring young ladies and, and, we, and next thing you know, we opened a daycare. We were the only oh in seven counties that was owned and operated by the employer. So then they could start back to work at six weeks and they could bring their kids with them and, and, the, and kids grew up. And, you know, together, and we had 25 kids with waiting lists at, at, at the high peak um, in in the daycare. And you know, it could, if it was a snowstorm, they knew that the daycare was going to stay as long as they had to stay. And so that worked out. Those kinds of things were don't do it like the other people did it. Make it enabled and fun and empower. And then the thing is to pick the right employees. Yeah. Pick people who you trust. Like I said, and and then if you pick the right people, you can empower them and they just go off and work and, and make people, you know, absolutely ecstatic and, and happy. And, and that's amazing. So, yeah, good for you. That's, that's what that's what you learn like. what not to do. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Try it sometime. I know. I heard fun. I, I, I might put in my application over there pretty soon. I, I'm my first child. I've seen what daycare costs. So kudos to yeah. you. That's an ours, ours, yeah, it was it was heavily subsidized, but we had to, we had to charge a little something so the people who weren't in daycare wouldn't feel totally ostracized. But yeah, and it worked out really well in the end. At the beginning, Department of Social Services was very tough on us because you know all these regulations, um, and we built a separate building, which is part of the same building, but had, you know, two 12 inch blocks between and fireproof roofing and all that stuff, separate entrances and everything, but it was contiguous. Um, and then after they saw what we did, they started giving us awards for innovation. First, you, then they figure out, hey, this wasn't so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually brilliant over there. 
but it was like a, sort of like a one-room schoolhouse because we had like five or six kids in cribs, but then there's five-year-olds and six-year-olds running around the room too, you know? So it's, it's not how normal daycares are done, but it, it was fun for us. That's, that's yeah. really, really special. That's cool. And you're almost creating a community in and of in, in Yeah, and then it becomes a community. People who met each other at work got married. I mean, imagine that. Wow. That's a bit, <laughs> no, no, that's not what I've heard, but apparently that's, uh, that's how you are so innovative over there. <laughs> what do you think? The late night work hours, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think breeds, like, how are you so innovative? You get to work on all these really cool projects. You mentioned the one that you're doing for the Olympics. What, what do you think, uh, like, the type of culture that you've been able to uh, create there why, why do you think that your teams are so successful in the innovative products that they get to do projects? Well, I mean, because it's fun doing the projects and it, and besides, I mean, maybe the opposite of fun is not boring. You know, yeah. a lot of people go to work for a large company. You know, my nephew, as an example, went to work for a battery manufacturer. And he says, uncle Bill, by the time you've designed and built the third battery line, you don't want to build any more battery lines. See, and, and so you get millennial people in, and, and, and they will go to someplace and then they want to change jobs. Here, you, you sort of change jobs every year or two because the next job is going to be not related to the stuff you did the last time. So engineers typically like to do creative and fun things. And if you keep challenging them, that, that's motivating. And, and the other thing, like one of the big projects we did this year, we had 25 or 30 people working on it to this day, actually. So it's almost a year. Um, COVID vaccine delivery machines. So oh, wow. they say, you know, a lot of things is shifting because of COVID, of course, but they said, how many people could you have full-time working on building COVID vaccine machines till the end of the year? Because we need to make 200 million vials to put the vaccine in. Uh, so I said, well, we could probably give you 25 or 30. Well, so it turned out then these guys were working nights, weekends, and now they're, they're at the client site in Alabama you know, getting these machines all tweaked up and tuned up. Well, so besides being busy with something fun to build, you feel like you're contributing to the yeah. situation. So that's like a, a double win. And then, of course, they're sacrificing a lot of hours with their family. Um, on the other hand, during COVID, it wasn't so bad because <laughs> many options to do and you built up an extra coin for the, for the overtime. So, but I mean, th those kinds of things, the, the, the morale goes up when the team feels like, they're contributing and, and and doing stuff together. So, yeah, it's incredible. It sounds like you've built some momentum over there, Bill, for quite a while now. Um, yeah. I just want to ask you one thing. Uh, what does your wife like most about you? <laughs> well, <clears throat> let me think. Um, I, I, I think she's trained me. And one of the things she... <laughs> My wife's still trying that. Uh. Yeah. One of the things that she, she she doesn't like is unfinished tasks or unfinished projects. And and so like one of the what, what I'm a child of the 70s. So when I was when I was sort of in between starting off optimization and all that, I, I decided that I should have an underground house. Right? What? So, <laughs> Not a piece of, oh, wow. a piece of right. land. Yeah, yeah. A piece of land down in Allegheny County. And um and 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 it's on a dirt road, three miles from pavement. So I, you know, if you don't like people, it's an awesome place to be. And <laughs> what'd you say and, the longitude and latitude of that was? 
So, so we started building a house, but one of the things she said, she's, I've watched your brothers and other people and they get the house fast finished and they move in and they never finish. So she said, we are not moving in until it's hundred percent done. And so that's sort of how I do every project I do. You start the project, you finish the project before you go to the next project. And that tends to provide a certain amount of structure and organization and, and reduces her frustration. So that's finishing Doing what you say, I think yes. is so important. And I think you touched on that piece too, is like you've been able to develop that level of trust internally at your organization as well. And I think sure. kind of those, those small, small things, when you say you're going to do something and actually finish through and actually do it, that builds your validity and your trust within your organization today as well. Well, the other piece of trust, and it goes with employees and it goes with your vendors and your clients, don't lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, if things are really, really bad, like we, we went through a bad time where the COVID crashed us before we got PPP and whatever. I mean, we, we couldn't pay the bills on time. So don't dodge the calls. Yeah. Act, initiate the calls and say, hey, Joe, you know, I owe you whatever it is, $150,000. <laughs> just, just some pocket <laughs> It's to be two though. weeks late, man. <laughs> but, but I mean, people appreciate um, honesty. Yeah. And transparency. And, and that's the same with employees. There's, look, we've been around for however many years, right? 35 years. And, and there's been good cycles and bad cycles. The economy goes up and down. And we've mm-hmm. times when we had to give pay cuts and we had to let people go. And we, you know, but, but through all that, the idea is be honest, be yeah. transparent, be available, never hide. And then, um, then you build trust. That's so important. We hear about those like open door policies and things like that. And yeah, yeah, open doors are good too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a piece of it. Well, it's not that big. The company's pretty small. So I like to try to know everybody, but I try to keep no more than one manager between me and everybody. So they that's, like awesome. that's a great way. Accessibility. Yeah. yeah. That's huge. That's yeah, huge, especially in today's environment. So, what was sure. your um, what was the biggest challenge that you faced during the pandemic? Because you're you're it's seemingly uh, you're not alone. It seems like a lot of people <laughs> have faced uh, faced some challenges. I know. Again, like I said, my my pants have faced quite a challenge with this. Uh, right, 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 right. See, I met people. I, I ran a marathon at Old Forge in September, and and there was a couple guys there, and they said, "Well, they said we saved like three hours of commuting time." all during the pandemic. So we had something to do with it. So we took up running and here we are at the marathon. <laughs> so you met some new friends out there. Not like so, you haven't met. So, so Kevin, you, you could have been running marathons now be, thanks to the pandemic. That's, yeah. that's all right. I have no promises there. Don't <laughs> that. I'll think about it. I promise I'll think about it. But. You can do it. I'll, I'll, I'll be your coach and give you some. All right. Time. All right. Well, I'm going to take you up on that. We'll, All right. We'll, okay, I'll, good. I'll start with 100 meters first, and then we'll, we'll slowly progress thereafter. <laughs> the, um, the, I mean, the, the big challenge, of course, was when there wasn't any work for a period of time. See, you, certain companies could work from home, telecommute, and, and a lot of our engineers could work from home. But but pipe fitters, welders, electricians, sheet metal workers, um, you can't you can't work from home. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go to either the shop or the client site, and the vast majority of the clients locked their doors. They wouldn't let outside people in. Yeah, even though you had contracts, you couldn't perform the contracts, which meant that we put people first on shared work and then on unemployment, and that was that's hurtful because you know that they need money to, 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 to live on. Yeah. So that, that's always hard. 
Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you start to come through and, 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 and the COVID machines, we could build in our own shop so we could have our own safety protocols. And I, and I am proud to say we have a great, great safety engineer and great compliance, but we uh, uh, all this time, 180 people, not one traceable case of COVID. Wow. I mean, a lot of people like me got COVID on our own someplace else, but but we didn't <laughs> we didn't bring it back to work. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for all the hard work too that you guys are doing. I mean, the the, the projects that you worked on with the vials and everything else like that. It, it it took it took a village to really get through this pandemic, and I think we did so as a community. Which is we got great great. great group, great group. I can't say enough. They're fabulous people. Awesome. So one of the one of the things that I always like to ask ask individuals is um, we want to, we want your employees and as well as the greater public. We saw that you ha- hiring obviously a great place to work. We get to hear hear your leadership and everything starts and ends with the leader, I believe. And and it seems like you've created and festered this uh, wonderful culture within the organization with it's diverse, it's inclusive, and really developing that fundamental um, level of trust. Um, one of my favorite questions, if you had to describe yourself in one word, Bill, what is that word? Persistent. Love it. Love it. That is a great word. That is awesome. That sort of describes a lot of the stuff I was just telling you earlier. It does. And it talks about your initiative, your drive, and and and, and really what, what wakes you up in the morning. See, I see, I mean, that's one of the things yeah, you learn. I mean, Winston Churchill once said that. Never give up. Never, 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 never give up. Yeah. And that's, that's really what it comes down to because failure is never final. You can fail, but if you get back up and try it again, then you really didn't fail. It was a setback. I'm writing that like one that, down. That's good stuff. I'm writing that failure. one down. Fa- failure is <laughs> final. That's a good one. Yeah, Bill, and I was going to ask you, if you had an extra hour of every day, what would you spend that time on? Gee. Maybe I should sleep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. There's, uh, last time I checked, I only have 24 hours in the day. But Bill, I, I, like I probably well, I maybe a little bit of on running, and um, yeah, I mean th- those are my favorite things. Running, I, I think I spend enough time working, so I probably don't need to add it to my work schedule. I'd like to work what I call half days, six to six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. literally half days, twelve hours is a half of that day. That's, that's they don't need thirteen, do they now? No. <laughs> and Bill, I have a problem balancing work, work, and play. Sometimes, you know, I'll get you do the- because your work is so much fun that you you, you confuse it with play. I could agree uh, maybe, more. Maybe. You, know, uh, <laughs> you know, we have a culture a little bit like yours that you're mentioning. So yeah. But but I, I do find that I, I turn my work into a lifestyle sometimes is what I sure. tell people. And there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Not yet. No way. You know, it's working out <laughs> I think pretty well. It's fine as long as you – so you don't want the work to stress you. So if you can fit in bits of work in with your lifestyle um, without causing stress to you or your wife or your family or whoever, because that's the bad thing. You have to have certain rules about when you bring your, where you bring your cell phone and when you don't bring your cell phone and, you know, those things. But I mean, the question is when you go on vacation, did you go on vacation? You know, and do you take your cell phone all day with you while you're on the, standing in line at Disney or 
do you only check the messages, you know, for a half hour in the morning or something? And, 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 and you know, that, that's how you balance your work life piece. And, um, but I, I think everybody's situation is different. It's, um, that's super nice. Well, kids at home, maybe yeah. you leave a lot more work behind because they need your attention. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sweating over here. Once you mention kids, over I'm, I'm getting messed up. Sure How many kids, Kevin? How many kids? Because I'll have a lot of questions for you. It'll be my first go at it. I think I'll be okay. I've read a lot of books, but uh, everybody tells me you can't prepare. So <laughs> I'm a prepared person. But, 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 yeah, the, the, no, but see, it's 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 a natural instinct. So you don't have to be prepared. You just have to do what comes naturally. I'm watching this morning dove outside my window and she laid her little eggs and she sat there through snow and rain. And now, you know, they're, but, you know, how to learn how to be a mother. I'm pretty sure she's probably only one year old. So, you know, so you, you'll do just as good as she does. You'll, 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 you'll be great. But I give you suggestions. Um, when, when the kids cry at night and you can't shut them up, you put them in a room, close the door, put a vacuum cleaner in front of the door and turn it on. And you, and you won't hear it. <laughs> turn the vacuum cleaner on? <laughs> Does that lull them to sleep or does that just drown out the noise? Drowns out the noise, but it's a lot easier to sleep through vacuum noise than crying. <laughs> I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. All right. I, take that's a bit of wisdom you, from Bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife that tonight. We just need to No, no, no. You only do that when she's not home, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's certain things that you don't do when she's around. Yeah. Okay. Just perfect. Perfect. Don't yeah. take it. Sweetie, uh, don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's just for me. <laughs> right. All right, Bill, I got a question for you here. Uh, if you uh, could give your younger self some advice, what would it be looking back on everything? My younger self. My younger self is see. I mean, I, I think this probably hasn't changed. I give it to myself now. I mean, just live one day at a time. I mean, a lot of people, they dwell back, and I like to have reunions and see people, but I, I don't spend a lot of time in the past, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the future. So the, the advice is live every day to the fullest. Enjoy wherever you're at or what you're doing, and um, and, li and life can be happy. Yeah. Likewise, you know, I, I think when I project into the future, that's when I, I get a little anxiety yeah. built up in my chest. But then when I figure out that I'm in, I'm comfortable in my own skin right here in these right. shoes. Right Perfect. Here, exactly. Right here, that's all we yeah. have. And oh, yeah. that's uh, right. I can really that's rock right. and roll and get something out of this day. But so. not true. But I mean, worrying won't accomplish anything. In fact, waste time. Yeah. Waste energy. Yeah. So um, when you're getting up in the morning, Bill, what is the first thing that you do? Because uh, obviously there's a lot of aspiring leaders. And <laughs> leaders. We need to know the magic sauce. What? The oh, yeah, the magic sauce. First yeah. thing in the morning, I get up and I go and I brush. What time is that? Is it, yeah. it might be like <laughs> And get dressed. <laughs> what, what time are you getting up in the morning? It sounds about like 4.15, 4.30. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, it's sometime, some, and I don't use an alarm clock, so it's it's somewhat random. Some time between quarter five and quarter after five depends upon where my brain is and when I wake up. I don't I don't try to hold a tight schedule because that's sort of that's stressful. Yeah. So it, it it really is. If you, if you feel like I got to be a certain place at a certain time, so you sort of just live that moment. Live in the moment. I live in an underground house on a dirt road three miles from Pavement in Allegheny County. So so I have a forty five minute ride to work. 
Um, and so that gives me time to think about what's the schedule, what am I going to do today? Listen to a few 60s. Songs. 60s. All right. Well, now we got to hear it. What's your favorite band? What's your favorite band? What's we got to hear it. What's the song? <laughs> we got to know what you're playing I, in that car. I use... Other I used to time out with leaders. With right, right, and amazing right, right. grace. And amazing Once grace. upon a time, I listened to Simon and Garfunkel all the time, but but Ash is right up there too. There's, you know, something about his voice that yeah. is real easy to keep listening to. Yeah. Well, I know you get along with my mom because I think that's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> that John Denver, the Beatles, you name it. Those are all up there. Neil the Diamond. Beatles, right. there too. They play them all all the time. In fact, it's amazing how many different groups there was back then when you really think about it. Oh, yeah. And the music sounds uh, like music, I, I would think. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, not me. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll be the old guy in that one. I'll be that one. What's... um. What was your first job? Like, again, like back to the point that Tyler and I would love to own a business. Yeah, yeah, first job. Okay, so so we go back to the, the prehistory. So I went to boarding school in Egypt for eight years um, before, I, before I came back to the United States and went to college. And then when I graduated college, my wife and I went back as volunteers. We call it volunteers. We got 25 bucks a month in room and board. And I taught, I taught high school physics and math for two years. That that was my first job. Wow! And 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 so I mean, but it's it's great fun, of course, and you're mentoring young people, so that was good. But after a while, you can't live on twenty five bucks a month. So I came took this job at Kodak, which which was a lot more lucrative. Yeah, that's amazing. So I got to ask the the other question too. You mentioned thank you for fighting for our freedom here in the United States. I I, I appreciate it. Your your forefathers fighting right alongside Washington himself. How did you make your way back over over to Africa? And that's where obviously you were you were you were born. I didn't. Well, I, I yeah, I, I didn't make my way. I arrived there, but yeah, my dad was a, a what we call a construction missionary. So he he in Sudan and Ethiopia and Kenya, he would go places where essentially they were what they called untouched people groups. Wow. He would he would he would construct a clinic and a school and a home for somebody to come live and then they would start developing a written language for that group of people so we were we were typically at any one place for like a year or, or whatever so i was born you know in a mud hut with a grass roof because where we went you know we, we, we sort of started the place yeah and then you would build you know some metal and and brick buildings and then then move so so i spent my time as a kid moving but that's how i got there but I mean, it was real. It was it was good. I mean, I learned a lot. And and part of the things in terms of leadership, I was um, I went off to boarding school at age nine, so I left I left home in September and I came back home in in April. So you can think, well, that's that's really harsh. But the the, the deal is, it teaches you independence and yeah. and 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 you start taking initiatives and and um, and then out of that, you know, comes opportunities. For leadership, so I, you know, I got I got to go through the scouts Humble there, Humble all that kind of stuff. So I mean, that was that was good. Maybe it, it was a fantastic way to grow up and be independent. Wow, Bill! And so when did you know you had it? You know, yeah. to, 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 <laughs> I'm still searching to, for to break away and then start your own company. Was there a certain point in time when you said this uh, is it? Well, yeah, because the stress level got so high. I mean, when I was at Kodak, they used to have me in the infirmary two days a week to test my blood pressure. 
Oh my gosh. It was so high that I, 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 you know, I couldn't give blood. If, they, if I went to the dentist, it would spurt. I mean, it was really a bad environment for me. So I just had to get out of there. And um, so I figured, hey, well, I can't do worse than this. <laughs> you, know, you know, of course, you know, be starting off a business when it's one. Yeah. has this challenges. That's why I took a teaching job at SUNY. So I got them to let me teach two days a week. I taught a full teaching load. So I taught from eight in the morning till 10 at night. Poor kids that had me in lab at night. <laughs> <laughs> then I had three days to, to do optimization stuff. And then, um, and, and then that meant that I didn't have to have income coming from the company. I could reinvest the, the income to get things going. Um, and then the another great thing that came out of that, because I was teaching at Alfred State, I hired the valedictorian of the, of, of the classes I was teaching. Oh my God. So these are very right. the top of the class. <laughs> the top of the class, and you have relationships, so they they come on board. And of those five, here we are, thirty something years later, and three of them are still here. Oh my God! Whoa. Part of the culture, if you think about that, that's that was fabulous. So I taught there four years, and then the stress level of running two yeah. things at once started to mount. So I waited till they gave me tenure. Then four hours after tenure. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my notice. <laughs> Let me just slide this over here for you. <laughs> I just I just want to make sure that they that they were going to do it. So yeah, yeah, that's great. So one of the parts of the, as we're wrapping up here, one of the things that um, I wanted to, to definitely be sure that I asked is people that are looking for jobs right now. Um, there's a lot of employers that are looking to fill these positions, but. A lot of positions like the the applicant pool is relatively like they're they're online investigators, right? They're they're really looking into. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're no right. longer just taking your word for it. Right. I feel like your leadership and and what you've been able to build since '85 is that. Do you feel that has given you a leg up in this competitive landscape when it comes to this? These we have been we have been able to hire like when we do an apprenticeship run, we'll get 60, 80 applications wow. of four or five spots. Wow. And I'm going to say three quarters of the apprentices we hire to go into the trades have a college degree of some sort. I mean, so, yeah, we can be very selective. But even in the, the, the last six or eight engineers we hired, um, you know, these, these, these are dean's list kids. One, one of the young engineers we hired recently, who was at the Colorado School of Mines, 394 average. I got a, I got a message from him. I think I should work for Optimation. I said... <laughs> We're here and you're there. He said, but I Googled just what you were saying. I Googled and I look for the kind of company I want to work for. And I think, I think that's it. And so here he is, um, you know, and, and when you get that kind of mind power, they can figure out anything. And, and that's what you want to see the company. So you can't. So basically what we do is if somebody really talented comes along, you hire them and then you figure out where to use them because. Yeah. Good, they'll they'll be able to do almost anything. So that's, that's so important. That's yeah, so important. So, important. It's, 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 so yeah. How many, how many skills have you seen change though since '85? Have you seen a lot like with the advancements in technology? Obviously, I mean, there's a lot. There's skills. there's a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff we're we're focusing on now, and it's post COVID. So you, we're looking at pharmaceutical and medical devices. Not that it's totally new technology, but it's being reshored. So there's people building out those factories. But then the other piece has to do with we. we Green, green, green hydrocarbons of all sorts could be ethanol, could be, you know, there's a lot of things that, that, that go to hydrogen and those, those venues that are green. And then wind, wind power, solar power. So all the pieces that are evolving is where there is opportunities 
so th- those, you know, we, we, we had some big rough times. We, we had a third of our work was oil and gas a decade ago. Wow. When, when, wow. when that crashed, that was a very hurtful time for us, you know, do layoffs. And evolve, do adapt. That was, that was, it was bad, bad, bad. So now we try to stay diversified, but, but, but look at the emerging technologies as the focus as opposed to, I mean, we can still do jobs in a chemical plant or mm-hmm. and still people want, but, but ultimately where the most investment's going to happen is post COVID technologies. And, and so we're, we're, we're moving in that direction. That's incredible. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. I'm gonna let Tyler ask one of his one of his. Tyler, final one last question. I don't. I the thing is, ask the main questions you want. I'm only answering the ones I want to. So <laughs> perfect. Good. Yeah, Bill. I have a slew of them here in front of me. So I'll just start with the first one, Bill. Uh, if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Oh, an animal. Gee. I have to think, you know, you could think These of are the same questions uh, that we get if you're, during our if, interviews sometimes. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We would ask the, the man, the if, myth, if, if you were a, a frog, I, so, so, uh, you know, you might get kissed by a princess and it might. You know, you don't want to wish to be something too noble. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe a, a Siberian or a nice dog of some sort who can go out running and yeah, that'll be fine. Incredible. All right. Well, I got to ask one of my favorite interview <laughs> questions. Okay. Uh, give me uh, three of your greatest strengths. My three of my greatest strengths. Okay. Oh, I thought that was the second half of the question. Uh, and then I'm going to ask for your three. <laughs> you know this interview question. I'm sure you've seen it or asked it yourself. We got to hear what the question. Okay, is. one of one of my greatest strengths is is the persistence that we were talking about. I mean, and that applies at work. Applies if you're going to do marathon running, you have to sort of, you know, don't give up. And yep. and so that's that's a good thing. I think I'm pretty organized. Um, an organization is is from two perspectives, organized in terms of planning so you work to list, but also or organized in terms of your your office and the stuff around you and your workshop and everything else. Because, I mean, it goes back to quality really is, a quality system is really nothing more than organization. So maybe those work, work to list kind of organization and, and keep your environment organized along with Finish what you start. Finish what you start. Finish what you start. <laughs> what you I'm start. playing yeah. that back all day today. I'm playing that back. Now, yeah. you're, what would you say is your three greatest weaknesses, Bill? I don't have any weaknesses. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying my damnest here to find those weaknesses. Okay. But it's, it's easy. It's really easy. hard. Okay, so my wife could tell you those three. We, you know, what I'm <laughs> well, more. Okay, we have her on the line. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, bad bad habits. I, I like to cut people off in the middle of the sentence and finish their sentences for them. See, that's not that's not good. But I, I have this imaginary ability to read their mind and know what they were going to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what am I thinking? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Um, yeah, that's a weakness. I, I I probably could spend more more quality time with people than I do because sometimes I really get distracted into my work. Maybe being more more people related and stuff would be a, a, another thing that I could improve on. And um, we'll leave it there. 
Fascinating. Right. Fascinating. <laughs> that, self, that self-reflection is so important, I know. Especially, I've done a lot of that during uh, the pandemic. That right? During the what pandemic. That was, one of the hard, that was one of the hardest things. It's like, uh, what, what am I going to do? Is uh, And I started changing, I, I have to, to I get to. And that really helped me mentally kind of facilitate what I was going to do throughout that day and motivated me. That's awesome. So it kind of in just closing, um, yeah. I would love to hear why somebody should come work for you at Optimization. Because it's fun. They should come here because it, it, they should, this way they can look forward to going to work in the morning and enjoy what they're doing all day and, and with, with a good team. I mean, the reason people like working with each other is because they know the other members of the team are going to carry their own weight. There's, yeah. there's going to be, as one of our employees said, we breathe life into each other. And if you have, if you have a team where it's a real team and everybody has everybody else's back, then, then that's why you want to be on that team. It's incredible. Incredible. It, it, well, we, we, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we have very little politics. So that's you. It, it's, it's the kind of thing. But where, it all starts with you. And obviously, I've really enjoyed my time. Well, I've really, I'm not. I'm not very political. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. I I get 50 emails from every fundraiser who's raised. <laughs> I might 50 be sliding from every Republican every day. So, <laughs> what's all right? Well, then you brought it up because I'm I'm a philanthropic. Rochester is one of the most philanthropic towns in Rochester. It's, I'll give right. I'll give you the opportunity to kind of what's one of your what's your favorite uh, group here in Rochester. I mean, the, the truth is, I mean, there's nice groups in Rochester. Of course, I don't really live in Rochester, um, but but I mean, I go to I go to a church in Leicester, so a lot of w- what I do support is is there. But then I have dozens of friends all over the world who I knew and grew up with that I sort of support their independent work. I have a a, a classmate that's doing electrification in Ethiopia right now. Well, I need you know, there's there's a lot of stuff, but most of it is sort of outreach not into rochester unfortunately incredible incredible well i know i enjoy my time with 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 the man the myth and the legend himself the rochester oh, you are you're right, 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 right you're gonna go places that way you know you keep talking that way man you move right up hey hey I, i'll be honest i was very humbled i thought i knew what the heck i was doing but i do not know what we're doing right up the ladder uh, time out with leaders but thank you again so much bill for thank your time you. If anybody gets a chance, uh, I'll let Tyler say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have a look at this casual Friday. Yes, we will. Yes, yeah, we Bill, will. I appreciate E-G-I-F. your time. And it, it seems like that that word fun is what I hear in every leader I meet. You know, well, that's my dad, good. In Texas down in, uh, he cooked, my dad coached high school football down in Texas. And I said, dad, how do you, how are you so successful? And this guy's not fun at all. And he looked at me, Bill, and he goes, <laughs> I make it fun, you know? <laughs> so I just keep asking leaders and all y'all have the same answer. It's all, right. it's fun, you know? It's fun is in the eyes of the beholder as, as is beauty, by the way. Yes. yes. <laughs> I keep looking at Fortunately. <laughs> well, Bill, thank, thank you very much. Taking away failure is never final from you. That's, in that's right. Closing words it of isn't. wisdom with it Bill. If you get an opportunity to, 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 to look at Optimation, we, we strongly advise uh, to, to have a conversation with Bill because this is what true leadership looks like. Um, so I, we can't thank you enough. And thanks again for all your time here with Time Out on Leaders with Tyler and Kevin, two just genuinely curious 
idiots. Genuinely <laughs> sincere, whatevering people. Thank you, thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Right, Thanks Bill. so much, Take Bill. Care.